اللهم اخرجنا من ظلمات الوهم واكرمنا بنور الفهم اللهم افتح علينا ابواب رحمتك وانشر علينا من خزائن علومك يا ارحم الراحمين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما my brothers and my sisters السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته i congratulate you all on this very blessed occasion of the birth of our second imam Imam Hassan al-Mujtaba alayhi salam Salawat On a day like this After Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi moved to Medina It was their first year in Medina Sayyidah Fatima alayhi salam Brought forth this young boy This young boy who came from her blessed womb and the blessed loins of Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib. And she said, when she took him into her arms, that she was not going to name him until his father held him. So when Imam Ali السلام, came to hold his newborn first son, he said, I won't name him before Rasulullah holds him. Rasulullah came and held Imam Al-Hassan and he said, I won't name him before I receive the decree from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the angel Jibra'il descended and sent the congratulations to the Prophet and said to him, Ya Rasulullah, Ali to you is like Harun was to Musa. So name him the same as the sons of Harun. Shabir and Shabbar, which was in Arabic Hassan and Hussein, were named after the sons of Harun. This blessed boy grew up in the house of his father and became the heir to his father, not only in imama, but in knowledge, in leadership, in akhlaq, in everything else that the imam, the first imam, gave to him and relied upon him as his main companion and confidant. But when Imam Ali left this world, Imam Al-Hassan had to take that burden onto his shoulders. And we know what happened, the tragic history of what occurred after that. The way in which we look at history now really oppresses Imam Al-Hassan till now. A lot of us focus a lot on Imam al Hussein السلام, as if he was Imam Ali's first son. But Imam Al-Hassan was the Imam and leader of his younger brother Imam Al-Hussein. And there is some misinformation that's often spread, a misunderstanding when it comes to Imam Al-Hassan. And the mainstream narrative, when they speak about Imam Al-Hassan, this is often preached as if it was fact. They say, that Imam al-Hassan was not like his father and not like his brother. 
there are even reports that some people cite when they say Imam Ali comes to say Hussein is like me but Hassan is not from our path they say that Imam Ali was very strict was very stern he was someone who would go to war to make a point that thousands of people would die in war in order for him to make his point to establish it because he saw right very clearly from wrong and he would go very very far in order to make that apparent to the people and that Imam al-Hussein was the same way that's why Karbala happened if he had just remained silent then it wouldn't have occurred but because he was so much like his father he couldn't let things go this is the way that they portray it whereas Imam al-Hassan they see was a lot more aloof they say it's because it wasn't that much of his concern he was different to them he liked to live they say extravagantly or that he was just not as passionate about establishing justice as his father and as his brother but they completely missed the point because in truth Imam al-Hassan is the main key and the most obvious proof in order to establish what Imama actually is because if we are to actually say that Imam Ali was that stern going just by what they're saying and what they're claiming that Imam Ali was that stern and he was that strict and he would go that far to make a point then why is it when it comes to the passing of the Khilafah it was done so clearly when you look at the death of the Prophet there are so many conflicting narrations right that's why we still suffer right now from the whole Sunni and Shi'i trend the disagreements and the debates all revolve around what happened after the Prophet did he pass it on to Imam Ali was it Abu Bakr was it an election was it supposed to be divinely decreed by Allah there's a debate obviously we believe it was divinely appointed Imam Ali was divinely appointed which means whether the people recognize it or not the Imam is the Imam he was an Imam if people recognized him he's still an Imam it just they joined the political with the temporal they joined the spiritual authority with the political authority if they gave him the Khilafah but if they removed the political authority from him he's still an Imam likewise with Imam Hassan when he conceded the Khilafah to Muawiyah it doesn't make Muawiyah the Imam Imam Al-Hassan remains the divinely appointed Imam if people follow him then they're following the decree of Allah and if they don't then they're not following the decree of Allah but he is the Imam divinely appointed but when is this made most apparent it's made apparent at the passing of Imam Ali there is no conflicting narration it is the same when it comes to the Sunni and the Shi'i narrative when Ali ibn Abi Talib for us the first Imam and for others the fourth rightly guided Caliph when he passed away he gave what he saw as his opinion right he passed on directly to his son because with the first Khalifa when he passed he gave it to Umar bin Khattab and when Umar passed he made a shura a council right so there's all these different methodologies Ya yeah, Akhi is it a council 
Is it an election? Is it hereditary? Is it to be divinely appointed? There's all these different opinions when all the Khulafa give their style. However, with the Ahlul Bayt, it was very, very clear what their opinion and methodology was. Because Imam Ali passes it on to Imam Al-Hasan, there is no disagreement. And if Hussein is that much like his father, and he saw that his older brother was nonchalant, and that his older brother did not care, or he was not as decisive or wanted to establish justice as much as Imam Ali, Imam Hussein, then why would Imam al-Hussein stand by him and follow him as his Imam, despite the fact that Imam al-Hassan faced an onslaught from his own people? That's the difference between Imam al-Hassan and all the others. Imam al-Hassan was betrayed by his own again and again. His own soldier stabbed him in the leg. He had to walk around with a vest and armor underneath him at all times. He had to pray with an armor underneath his clothes. There was once an arrow shot at him in the jama'ah from his own people because even his supporters started to say that he oppressed them because he conceded to Muawiyah. Whereas, of course, we saw that everyone had left Imam al-Hassan by that point, but because this is not a sad occasion, I don't want to speak too much about that. I want to speak more about looking at Imam al-Hassan in the right way as the key to understanding the methodology of the Ahlul Bayt, the methodology. So, Imam al-Hussein, when Imam al-Hassan made his decision, where he saw it was best for the Muslims at this point, for the Shia that remained, that Muawiyah become the Khalifa, and there was no other way out. And for those of you who are more interested and want a proper analysis of this, there's a series that I have on YouTube that speaks about this in detail, about what happened with Imam al-Hassan. Imam al-Hassan at this point does something very, very difficult. So he's made it very clear now that he receives the Khilafah from Imam Ali and that this is how it's passed. Both Imam Ali and Imam Hussain have full belief in Imam al-Hassan. But the people who didn't understand it, when they would come, they would actually look at Imam al-Hussein to see if he was okay with this. And Imam al-Hussein would tell them, هَذَا imami ana." If you're looking at me, this is my Imam. Why are you looking at me as if you think I disagree? Imam al-Hussein left Kufa with Imam al-Hassan. Why would he leave if he didn't agree? He followed him as an obedient follower, follows his master. Imam al-Hassan was the master of Abu Abdullah and only his older brother. Now, when you put yourself in the shoes of Imam al-Hassan, you find how magnanimous that decision was that he made. It wasn't easy. When the people around you don't understand what you're doing, when the very people you're serving and that you protect stand against you. It's so difficult. The people that you protect stand against you. Often this is how enemies of Allah act. And that's why they do that a lot right now in the world. When you look at the oppressed people of the world and the countries that are sanctioned by the superpowers of the world, that's done so that the people can rise up against their leaders, right? The same thing happened at the time 
they would sanction the Muslims so much that they would want to go up against the leaders. It's just that the leaders this time were the Ahlul Bayt. And so they were completely betrayed, but they still made the right decision for their people. Do you know what that takes to make the decision to protect hundreds and thousands of people at the expense of your own name and reputation? What's more difficult than being called a coward? What's more difficult than being blamed for a loss, for the loss of the people when the decision you made saved their lives? And he had to take that full force. And there's a huge lesson there for us, a huge one. That in our lives, there are going to be so many decisions that come up for us that we have to make between right and wrong. And it's so difficult to make the right decisions when you're not even going to be recognized for it. In fact, you're going to be blamed for not making the wrong decision. You'll be blamed for not making the wrong decision. But you know it's the wrong decision. A lot of people, they choose to make the wrong decision so that they're not blamed. Khalas, the glory of the people praising and if not praising, at the very least, not blaming is enough. Even though I know this was the wrong thing to do. It takes a lot of heart and courage, real courage in the heart, in order to make the right decision. Even when the people don't understand it, better yet will blame you as if you made the wrong one. You see, Imam al-Hussein is remembered as a glorious, courageous martyr. And he made the right decision, of course. Imam al-Hassan also made the right decision. But he's not remembered in that way as a glorious and courageous martyr, even though he was. And had Imam al-Hassan been there in Karbala and Imam al-Hussein be the older brother, they would have done the exact same thing. Imam al-Hussein would have done the same thing in the place of Imam al-Hassan. And Imam al-Hassan would have done the same thing in the place of Imam al-Hussein because it was the correct and right thing to do at that moment in time, in that place, in that circumstance, in that situation. But they were facing completely different enemies. Muawiyah was very different to Yazid. Muawiyah was smart. He didn't ever go head to head with the Imams. Yazid was an imbecile. He would straight away go head to head with the Imam. He exposed himself straight away. Muawiyah always tried to take care of his reputation as a man of the people and a man of God. So it wasn't clear to people as much as it was with Yazid. Had Muawiyah been there with Imam al-Hussein and Yazid never taken the Khilafah, Karbala may not have happened. But because Yazid took it too far and tried to force the pledge from Imam al-Hussein, notice Muawiyah never forced the pledge from, from Imam al-Hassan. There was no pledge. So there was no reason for the battle to occur. But with Yazid, he tried to force it. And the Ahlul Bayt were never going to accept that. The, force, the forcing of the pledge. Conceding Khilafah is one thing. Pledging allegiance to that Khilafah is completely different. No Imam ever did that for any of the Khulafa. So it takes a lot of courage in order for Imam Al-Hassan to do what he did. And that lesson lives on for eternity in our lives. There are going to be many situations in which 
the wrong decision is very easy for us to make. And the right decision is going to be very difficult for us to make. It's going to take a lot more commitment and we're going to receive a lot more hate. A lot of people here in the masjid volunteer and give from their time and efforts and they do their best. A lot of their work is unpaid. But year upon year, Ramadan after Ramadan, Muharram after Muharram, program after program, if things go wrong, then someone who attends the masjid every now and then blames the volunteers. Or he'll blame the sheikh. Or he'll blame whatever they are to blame. And the right thing to do for the volunteers and for everyone else is to be humble, to take you on board, to stay patient, to continue. It's hard though. To keep trying, it's hard. The easy thing to do would be to react get angry and tell them you do it no one's forcing you not to do it no one's forcing us to do it we're here from our own time but see you're making the right decision you're giving from yourself again and again and you still get blamed for it when things go wrong but you continue that's a very small minor example imagine if it got to the level where you are the leader of the Muslims and the people you're protecting from life and death begin to call you a coward. But from your heart, real courage is not always with a sword. Real courage is to do the right thing at the right time, despite the consequences. And we learn that as an eternal lesson from Imam Al-Hasan. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of the true and sincere followers of Imam Al-Hasan and raise us on that day with our Imam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive the sins of everyone here and the sins of the marhumin of everyone here present in this majlis and heal our sick. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa sallallahu ala sayyidina Muhammad wa alihi tayyibin al-tahirin.